Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. Back to the Vancouver Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wright. And I'm your second week in a row host, Adam Scalina. How you doing, Corey? Good yourself? Ah, not too bad. I say thanks for joining me, but I work for you. So (laughs) thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is a a funny scenario here. I I see on Fridays, this is your, your Friday casual look. You still look way more formal than anyone else in this office, but uh you're you're not you're not suited. Well, you know what? I feel comfortable around you guys. Yeah. Right? Like before, when you used to have me on as a guest on your podcast, I'd be at the tailors the morning before the show. It was a three-piece Getting suit. a new suit, getting the haircut, <laughs> you know, really trying to play that thing. And now we're, we're kind of on that level that if I show up in a Lulu tracksuit, we're okay. Is that a Lulu tracksuit? No, 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 no. This was no, that's for Stacey. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think this is Kirkland. Yeah, <laughs> Kirkland. Kirkland by our friends over there at Costco. Well, we've got a fantastic show today. I can't wait. Is Mike Mackay. He's the president of Strand. Anyone in Vancouver in our industry knows who Strand is. Yeah. No, incredible developer. One thing with Mike, and I think you'll, you'll hear this on the interview, I mean, the intelligence level of sort of foreseeing the next thing. Yeah. And we talk about that in Langford. You know, definitely right up there with a lot of the developers that we talk to that definitely have that. I mean, he's cutting edge. He's helped revolutionize their business. They've got some amazing projects. And he talks about the projects in Coquitlam, which have had huge success in the Burkwitlam area, but the SkyTrain there. Langford, up to a million square feet coming. Like it's 80 acres. Incredible. I mean, very, very you mean ahead of its time. And I I think definitely like you know, phenomenal interview. There's that word that always creeps into my vocabulary. <laughs> very, very good insight. And here's the thing. If you are a young person and you're new in the industry or you're looking to kind of get into the commercial or residential yeah. real estate industry, some of the best advice I think I've heard yeah. at the end of this show, and it's funny, it uh, Mike puts his money where his mouth is. Literally. Yeah. And his phone number. And his phone number. Yep. So, so stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, Corey, uh, we are sponsored today. Always sponsored by our friends over at Impact Commercial for all your commercial lending needs with over 50 years of lending experience. Reach out to Al and the team over there at impactcommercial.ca. Seriously. And you know, I didn't know Al until I met you. Yeah. But now that I know Al, he's a force. Oh, he's, he's an absolute force. Like, like I, I said this over and over and over. The guy saves my life. Because yeah. like literally... I, I just, I'm like, oh, that looks like a good purchase. And I write the offer and I go through my due diligence and I don't tell Al. And then I send it over to Al after and he's mad, but he always finds a way to get me off. He and always I, comes through. And I think I have to do a retraction. What's that? Because at the end of last episode, I said our guest this week is Byron Chard of right. Chard Developments. And Byron of, is yeah. next week. Byron's next, next week. week. Byron's next week. And we talk about developers that I owe a lot of money to, and Byron is definitely the top of the list. <laughs> Mike is one of the few developers that I don't owe money to yet. But you'd love to. But I think soon enough after this, he's got me totally like, you know, hearing his vision and what he's doing. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have debts owing to that man before you know it. Fantastic. Well, we'll talk about two good episodes. We've got, first of all, Strand, and then we've got Chard coming. Yeah. Vancouver in a week Island, from now. fully covered. 
Wow. Vancouver Island fully covered. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So maybe without further ado, and and just last but not least, the band that he mentions today. Yes. And I'm I'm just gonna I I know you're a fan. Well, I hadn't actually thought about this band for a long time. I feel like they haven't come well, out. Well, you with... know what's funny is he kind of hesitated a little bit and I, I thought for a second there. And you might have seen me. I got really excited. My shoulders went back. My fingers got crossed. I leaned towards my mic, and I thought it was Nickelback. And he pivoted. <laughs> and I thought, oh, if, almost. If we almost. If, if we haven't talked about Nickelback yet, is it even a Vancouver commercial real estate podcast yeah. episode? Right. We need to get Chad on the show. We need to reach out to him. I don't. Maybe he owns commercial real estate for all we know. Hey, he probably does. I'm sure he does. Yeah, he's, you, he's got you, a portfolio. You'd think, you'd think so. The guy's probably got so much money. Where right? does he store all those photographs? Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of right now. I'm trying to run through my head right now and, and kind of use an analogy for another song like you just did there. But my brain's not working very well on Fridays. <laughs> Excellent. Well, without further ado, here is our conversation with Mike Mackay, president of Strand. Enjoy, guys. Okay, so we're here with Mike Mackay, president of Strand. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks very much for having me today. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. We know you're busy, but a lot of our listeners are uh, are familiar with Strand for sure. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, president of Strand, and I've been in the industry for uh, just over 15 years now uh, in various capacities. I uh, Started off uh, interning at various developers, got my start in a full-time position at Audi, and uh, worked for another family organization for a short period of time before moving over and starting the development arm of Strand. Uh, Strand's a business that's been around for about 45 years and had historically been mainly a finance-oriented organization, but uh, I led the charge into more of a value-add focus and uh, a focus on really uh, the British Columbia market. Uh, We are active in Washington State and the finance side is active in the U.S., but our development activities right now are primarily focused in the lower mainland and uh, British Columbia. That's great. And we definitely want to hear more about Strand, but um, we're always interested how people get their start in real estate, Mike. Like why real estate for you? Well, I have real estate in my blood. My dad has been in the business well before I was born. And uh, and so I come by it somewhat honestly in terms of Apple not falling far from the tree. Right. And so save for dinner time conversations and just sheer learning by osmosis, my start in Real estate was actually uh, as an intern, summer intern for a fellow by the name of Mark Chandler. That name will ring a bell for a number of people out there, and and not in maybe the the best way uh, in light of recent press. But uh, it was a great exposure to the business and and perhaps what not to do. And sometimes it's better to know what not to do versus knowing a whole bunch of the things that you should be doing. <laughs> right. A couple birdies in our Victoria office there, Mike said that uh, you were quite the rugby player at one point. Is that true? I I don't know if I'd go so far as saying quite the rugby player. I did play uh, play some rugby and uh, yeah, really enjoyed that experience. Uh, ended up playing for the under nineteen and under twenty one national rugby teams and made some lifelong friendships. And actually, wouldn't have met my wife had it not been for that. So uh, rugby has given me a lot and really I think is a, a great game. And yeah, I played at UVic as well and got to a point though where uh, I had to make a decision uh, whether to, to pursue what I guess would have been probably more of a pipe dream in terms of taking that to the next level or coming over and getting into the into the business. 
So, Mike, you know, we, a lot of people uh, that listen to this program are definitely familiar with Strand. Can you talk a little bit about the history of the company? Yeah. So, Strand was formed 45 years ago by my father, John. Uh, as I said, it was primarily focused on financing developers. Uh, initially, actually started more repositioning rental apartment buildings in British Columbia and then expanded in the 80s to include the U.S. and uh, in the 90s really got mainly into real estate finance. And we still have a value-add arm of the company in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It's been a great market for us over the years, and we've probably bought and sold over 15,000 units in that time. But uh, um, in any event, the core business has historically very much been providing uh, equity financing to developers in U.S. markets uh, down the coast and in Chicago. Chicago, Phoenix, Orlando, uh, to name a few other markets that we've we've done a significant amount of business in. So, as I mentioned earlier, about seven years ago, actually seven years ago this month, uh, I formed uh, the development arm of Strand. My background, having been primarily in development and acquisitions, um, it was really just an easy fit, and I think uh, a value add for the other side of the Strand office, which is finance oriented, and really hadn't been doing much business in British Columbia for some time. So very much a synergistic situation and uh, and fun to partner with my, my dad. Well, I think one reason why we wanted to have you on today was Langford and that exciting acquisition you guys had there with the old raceway. Can you sort of tell us a little bit more about the acquisition itself, what the motivation behind it was and, and why Langford? Yeah, Victoria obviously is undergoing a, a major transformation and there's a significant amount of population growth to go along with job growth that's uh, being realized in the CRD. And queuing on that, we really looked at what is the supportive infrastructure that's in place to accommodate all of the the businesses that are going to be yeah. taking root in in the capital regional district, and uh, you know, there's only about 9.2 million square feet of industrial property in the CRD, much of which is obsolete, having been built at a previous time with ceiling heights and building systems that uh, aren't going to be suitable for for modern businesses and and really the modern needs that have presented themselves in terms of who the users are that are coming to the table, and uh, so. Looking at that, coupled with really just the anecdotal uh, stories we're all hearing of of families relocating to Victoria, the quality of life being excellent, you know, wages are are really not far off of Vancouver, maybe 10% lower in, in a lot of categories, professional services being one of them. And yet the cost of living may be about 75% of what it costs to live in the lower mainland. So I think the value proposition is really there for a lot of people uh, to relocate to that region. And uh, I was actually just talking to somebody who said that there's a huge proportion of the new population growth being, being driven by people moving from Ontario. And as I mentioned earlier, that's really going to lead to a lot of businesses taking up a, a position in Victoria and the surrounding region. And part of the other side of our impetus for acquiring the land over there was looking at where can we find 80 acres of yeah. industrial, developable industrial land, yeah. let alone in the lower mainland, anywhere in the province that's that's close to a core uh, city like, like Victoria. And we've been trying to find that parcel for the last five years, and, and it never presented itself for obvious reasons. Uh, ALR, land constraints, you know, the conversion of industrial property to other uses like office or residential. And uh, so that really was an impediment to us finding a significant uh, beachhead in that asset class. And uh, when the Speedway deal came along, 
obviously there was a lot of red flags around whether or not you were ever going to be able to unlock development potential of that land because of the speedway. And I think through obviously just working as developers and and hand in hand with the city and Stu Young and the great people at the city of Langford, we were able to unlock a really great industrial site there and and hope that it's uh, Victoria's premier business park. Well, it's funny you mentioned there about how the relocation of people coming into the greater Victoria was from the Ontario region. I was talking to another developer about some projects that they have, and they echoed the exact same thing, which was very surprising to me because I would have made the assumption a lot of people would be coming over from the mainland. You might get some people from Alberta, but they, I was really surprised to hear how many people actually were coming from the Ontario region relocating to Victoria, which I think is, was great to hear. I mean, I think, I think the more people we get into that area there, the better. Well, if you've ever spent any time in Ontario during the winter relative to Victoria, <laughs> personally, I think it's a, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> in thinking about uh, specifically about the, the former Speedway, what have been some of the challenges with this site in particular? Well, it's got, for one thing, a, a, a large streamside protection area running through the middle of it, uh, which I actually think is quite a nice feature and will be a great opportunity to provide uh, walking paths and some greenery to complement the park. But that is certainly a challenge. And with that, you know, soil conditions obviously are always uh, front of mind for anybody in the business and uh, and environmental considerations as well uh, with, with the former uses on that site. So the usual list of things that anybody in the development business or investing in real estate would consider, you know, it is, it is a large amount of inventory and people are certainly coming around to the notion of building industrial in Victoria. So I think uh, differentiation is something that we're keenly focused on and and hope to achieve uh, with this site. So that would be a challenge, but uh, we're confident that we have a a great piece of land here that will be able to create a cohesive business park that isn't achievable in in most locations, certainly not on the timelines that we can unlock um, our site relative to others, perhaps. So yeah, I think those would be those would be some of the early challenges. Of course, you know, users and attracting local, regional, and national interest is is something that we're prioritizing and and hopeful of. But uh, but that at this point would be one of the things that we're working to uh, to overcome in terms of a, a challenge. You kind of almost segued my upcoming question here was with a with a, a business park of that size. Does the the Vancouver Island market support that? much inventory coming to market or do you have to go to national type businesses and showcase Langford and showcase that you kind of touched on a little bit there what type of response are you guys getting so far in that are you getting a lot of interest from companies outside maybe looking to reposition or extend into the Langford area for maybe not the Vancouver uh, Island market or even the BC market for that point yeah, I think we're going to have a mix of local, regional, and national organizations that have a presence here. Um, initially, we've had early interest from regional and national uh, groups, uh, some being in the e-commerce space and uh, really being driven in that context by the population growth of Victoria and the strong wage earning that is taking place there. So that distribution style 
user is going to definitely be a presence here and, and on a regional national level. Uh, we haven't exposed the project yet to the market in a widespread way, and yeah. and we're looking forward to doing that in the next couple of months here. But the early interest has been promising. And with that, I think you're also going to have the local businesses who are more of a small bay type user, like yeah. a landscaping company or a building materials supply business, and, and really that's being fueled again by the influx of people coming to the CRD and and the influx of businesses along with that that are taking shape and setting up shop there. So I think we're going to have a a really nice mix and uh, uh, we're going to start with specking some small bay product up on Millstream there on the main frontage and hopefully that uh, drives some further interest as well as shows people that this is real, this is happening and uh, it's not just, just drawings and pretty pictures. What's the overall vision for it when it's all said and done? Is you mean obviously it's going to be multiple phases? What is your vision for the site? Like obviously you touch base on Small Bay, which is kind of you know sort of sub three thousand square feet industrial. Besides industrials, are other plans for you mean anything from self storage to hotels, retail? Is there a, what is the vision that you envision for the the eighty acres? I think at this point it's going to be mainly small. Well, there will be a, a component of Small Bay on Millstream. Uh, likely mid-sized bays on the remainder of the the parcel that's uh, west of the via that flows through the site, and then being the streamside protection area, and then on the the parcel which we consider phase two on the east side of that uh, stream of Mill Stream uh, itself, uh, where the speedway is likely to be more of a large bay type format. That being said, we've got great flexibility right now. It's early. There's still a lot of opportunity for users to come along and help shape their parcel or, or their their area of, of land on a build-to-suit basis so that everything is tailored directly to their needs and we're very open to those conversations. In addition, there's actually an ancillary parcel of residential land that we're going to be uh, likely delivering service lots on uh, up on Trudy Terrace there to the west, or sorry, to the east, and uh, and that'll be 50 single-family lots there. To go along with seven acres that we've dedicated to the city of Langford for a community center and uh, and some park space. Uh, so uh, we're really looking forward to having that amenity uh, to complement the park. And certainly there will be people working in the park who will make use of that civic infrastructure. There may be film studio space as well. We're taking a look at that. I think uh, that was uh, coverage we, we had when we were acquiring the site. And we're certainly continuing down that road because there's a lot of demand from film users for sound stages, or so we feel in Victoria right now. Mike, in thinking about Langford, we've seen a lot of developers move into the area, specifically with multifamily um, and developing multifamily. In thinking about the role that Langford plays in in the region, what role is that in terms of industrial space, and how is that going to kind of complement the uh, you know Vancouver Island and, and Victoria? Well, certainly Langford's led the charge, if not in on Vancouver Island, it, certainly in BC and maybe even Canada in terms of acknowledging this major housing crisis that we're living through and the fact that supply is really the answer to addressing our housing affordability crisis. And uh, uh, credit to, again, Stu Young, the council members there and, and staff for identifying the opportunity that they had with Langford to really drive growth in the region. And they've done a phenomenal job of attracting a huge amount of businesses and and new population to their city uh, through that. And I think that's going to continue. There's a lot of rental inventory that's been built there as of late. I think you're going to see more people 
make a foray into condos in in Langford, and uh, I don't know if that necessarily means high rises, but I think you're going to see six story wood frame condos, maybe even some mid rise stuff, like I know is taking shape up on Bear Mountain there, and I'm confident that uh, that you're going to have a buyer for that. We with Strand very uh, bullish on ground oriented product in Langford. I think townhouse uh, type inventory is really lacking and that's pretty common across the region and and even over in the lower mainland here. So we're actively hunting for more townhouse sites and uh, would be certainly desirous of of adding that housing supply to to the city of Langford. But in creating all of this housing, it's, as I mentioned earlier, built a demand for businesses that are catering to the, you know, last mile delivery. So courier company, or they could be doing their own e-commerce distribution, landscaping people's properties, delivering building supplies, building materials, and again, even shooting movies. Uh, I think Langford's really put itself on the map in a big way and is open for business. And it's not just the people moving there who have acknowledged that, it's, it's businesses as well. So that, I think, bodes very well for what we're offering. And there are other industrial offerings in or around our site in Langford and the Royal Bay area. West Shore, if you want to call it that, which is really how that would be categorized. But we feel like we're able to to, to deliver a more cohesive park accessible to Highway 1 and really in a timeline and with certainty that maybe is not ported in some of the other locations that we're competing with. Do you envision Langford as kind of being an industrial hub for the Vancouver Island region or at least the south part of the, the island there? It seems like there's a lot of that type of product coming into that area when depending on what reports you read – some claims that you know Greater Victoria has the lowest vacancy rate in North America for industrial product, and then it gets even smaller when you get into the Langford area. Is that kind of the the vision you think that 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 Langford area will eventually develop into with how much you mean density in the industrial asset class is coming forward? And it seems like the absorption is extremely high. Yeah, I think it's it's very well positioned to do that. Obviously, you've got the Malahat a little bit further beyond our site on the highway there. And that's a natural geographic constraint. It's also a notoriously difficult transportation corridor and it's really uh, closed down a lot in the winter for for vehicular incidents. And uh, that makes distribution and the certainty of getting uh, your product to where it needs to be a lot more challenging. And so I think the next stop whether you're going up island or coming down is in Langford. And uh, and so I think geographically, it's perfectly positioned. It's also one of the few areas that actually has land that's suitable to create a somewhat of a master plan around an industrial park. And that land's obviously diminishing and people are going further afield to find larger parcels. But uh, we feel like it's a unique opportunity that that isn't going to present itself very often to have 80 acres in Langford, very close to, to the highway, close to Victoria, close to being able to get things up island. But I think for people setting up a large DC or a large industrial park on the other side of the Malahat, as you get up into Mill Bay and beyond, you really do run more risk of not only being further from the core, but being subject to disruptions that are outside of your control. So I think that uh, being in the CRD very, very close to to the core of Victoria with that McKenzie interchange now in place, the drive time's really been dropped at peak hours by about 15 to 20 minutes, which is material when you're going to wait there and back. So I think that's that's a game changer and and really positions this parcel well to, to capitalize on that. You know, you look at the vacancy rate 
I think it's 0.88% in, in the CRD right now in terms of the last stats I, I saw, and that's effectively zero. You have 9.2 million square feet. We're looking at about a million square feet of industrial on our parcel. So that's a significant amount of additional supply that we would stand to deliver to this market. Absorptions, I think, have been around 100,000 feet per year. My question on that, I guess, is is that partially driven because you just have no inventory and no no product to absorb, or is that is that consistent with historic, perhaps tepid demand, less less rapid absorption that you've seen in in the CRD? I think it's very much the fact that there just isn't the, the product, so very much the former versus the latter. But we'll see. And uh, I think what's nice about our site is we can phase it, so we can be very deliberate with the amount of product that we're releasing at a given time. Do you worry at all with how much is coming to market, and obviously what you guys will be delivering? you know, in the foreseeable future that it almost might be too much for the greater Victoria area? Or is that an area that you guys are that confident in through your due diligence process that, that you know, if you build it, they will come type of thing? Well, I think worrying uh, is much like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get very far. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, all joking aside, of course, we are naturally concerned uh, in any market that we participate in with absorptions and supply and, and demand and the competitive landscape, of course. So it's definitely on our radar. I don't think that the Victoria market stands to be oversupplied in the near term. And again, if we can continue to move at the speed that we're moving with servicing taking place on on the site right now and uh, getting our product to market as quickly as possible here, perhaps in advance of a, a big wave of the other inventory, I think we'll be positioned well to capitalize on on a surplus of demand that I, I would say exists there right now. I also think that there is just such a significant population growth and not just any population growth, but population growth from people who are making high incomes. And that has a natural increase in demand that's placed on on businesses. So there's also the factor of lower mainland really not having any availability for any type of industrial space right now as well. And the fact is, is that I think you're going to see users being forced to consider Vancouver Island and actually realizing that that ferry isn't such a, a boogeyman. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, with BC ferries introducing overnight an overnight sailing to primarily cater to commercial traffic, I think that's huge as well. And the fact is, is that Calgary and the other side of the Rockies isn't viable uh, for a lot of groups because the cost of transport is just too high to service our market here. So really, we're running out of options. And uh, I, I don't think we're going to be limited to demand simply from people who are CRD users exclusively. I think we're actually going to uh, see demand spill over from the lower mainland uh, onto our site. Mike, maybe shifting gears here just a little bit and, and kind of pulling back, are there other areas kind of in the in the lower mainland or in the province right now that Strand is really excited about outside of Langford? And and when I when I asked that I realize we're talking commercial here, but but maybe residential as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think on the residential side, we're very uh, bullish on the city of Coquitlam. We've got uh, uh, a 400-unit project that we're in going through construction on right now called the Oaks. And uh, that's been a great project for us. And 
and really has been um, a great location in terms of working in the city of Coquitlam. Great municipality to do, to do business with, much like the city of Langford. We hope to continue to do a significant amount of new residential business there. Uh, we've got three high-rises uh, that will follow up the Oaks here in the near future, launching our first for sale in probably April of next year. So that's exciting. And uh, we'd love to do more business in the Tri-Cities, other Tri-Cities municipalities like Port Moody and and Poco, as well as Burnaby New West. Very uh, interested in those areas as regional centers. And I think you're seeing uh, decoupling from the core of Vancouver and a lot more fundamental growth taking place in, in those secondary markets, which are quickly becoming primary in and of themselves. So yeah, we like being situated near energy centers. Obviously, people love TOD or uh, transit-oriented development, and uh, so we're no different there. But yeah, it would be probably Coquitlam and Burnaby if we could find uh, if we could find the site. Right. Um, uh, it's pretty competitive, but uh, yeah, I'd say Coquitlam is top of the list for us. And then any of those close markets uh, nearby, uh, we really think there's strong fundamentals and and real demand from from local people making local incomes. And uh, so it's, it's uh, I think, a, a strong area to be doing business right now. Have you been surprised by the demand in the past 18 months? Well, considering where we were in March, April of last year and the conversations that were taking place around contingency planning and, you know, what we could get by with in terms of uh, income to keep the lights on in, in our, at our company and uh, contingency planning and all of the rest of it, to see where the mindset was at that point in time relative to where it is today is actually quite uh, quite shocking to me and uh, really is just uh, further proof that we are uh, a region being driven by local demand, uh, counter to what many people think uh, around foreign ownership and foreign buyers, uh, which present a very small proportionate share of the the buyer pool that we're seeing, you know, this is very much a a market that's fueled by people uh, who are here, who live here and who work here and and want to to be here for the long long term. So uh, yeah, it's been a long roundabout way to answer your question. It's been very surprising, uh, I think, for all of us to see the strength of our market, uh, despite the, the, you know, dare I say, unprecedented times uh, that's been, been that, that that phrase has been killed, but uh, overused, of course. But it's it's really it's tr- it's it's the truth. So uh, yeah, very very surprised, and, and you know, of course, pleasantly surprised with that. Your your Oaks project acts as my my children's education center on uh, on development because every every Saturday or Sunday I take my four and six year old to Costco in East Lake Area and we pass by it every week they make a point of looking how much bigger the building gets or how much <laughs> deeper the hole goes. And I try to give them a little bit of education of, of this is what it's going to be and this is kind of what a development is. And they always just stop and ask if there's Spider-Man coloring books at Costco and right. <laughs> all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great looking project, great area, phenomenal area. Thanks very much. Yeah, no, I, I would just add, actually, it's a great project to use as that type of case study because we've got three buildings going up side by side and uh and one of them is still a hole of course yeah, and then we've yeah. got the first the first one uh that is uh just about to complete here in uh in November December of this year so uh you really see the full life cycle of a construction site on that property and it's it's very dynamic so 
lots of fun and, and, you know, really couldn't do it without our team here, but also the, the great group of people over at Axiom Builders, they're, they're first class. Well, my six-year-old, my oldest guy keeps looking at the, uh, the veterinarian clinic on the corner there. It looks like they're holding out and he keeps saying like, yeah, that guy's building, their time is coming every time we drive by because <laughs> <laughs> there's the one, the one corner guy. You kind of touched on this just a little bit and we asked sort of all, everyone from the development community, how has COVID really affected your business and, and what changes did you maybe make during COVID that you'll now keep as part of your business model, whether it be from the development side on the back end to maybe even the sales on the front end? And I mean, what maybe has gone by the wayside now that was maybe a pre-COVID type strategy or a pre-COVID type operational strategy we had that just no longer will work moving forward? Yeah, great, great question. I think digitization and the ability to really work from wherever you are without the productivity level dropping off and, and you know, having all of the implements you need, regardless of where you're situated, that's been huge. I don't personally think that a hybrid or remote work model is su- sustainable for, for us in our business. Uh, we're a very collaborative uh, company. A lot of quote-unquote collision points that are taking place in the office where people are just organically collaborating and creating through simply being in the same space and crossing paths. I I think that uh, the formality of sending an email, even picking up the phone can be a barrier to entry that that sometimes prevents people from having great ideas and and voicing them. So um, I think we need to be physically in the same presence and and that will continue. However, uh, we've deployed what we're calling Strand Cares, and that's really an employee uh, recognition program where we're recognizing that our team is very capable. We've got sharp people here who are passionate about what they do. And, you know, if you want to go and spend two days a month and work remotely, then we would encourage that if that's going to ultimately be the best way to get your best work product done. And uh, so there's, there's that. There's you know, micro agility that we're allowing now more formally. We always have said to people, you know, if you have a doctor's appointment, don't take a vacation day, go and go and just take care of yourself. So a focus on wellness has really been, I think, front and center for for everybody, uh, particularly given the nature of the crisis we're going through with a, it being a health health related pandemic. So that would be a, a change we've made. We've also deployed a thousand dollar a year allowance for people to contribute towards wellness, you know, whether they want to use that to buy a Peloton or go to a a meditation class uh, or everything in between, we encourage that and, and want to support our people in being able to be the best form of themselves that they can be. So those have been really introspective focused things that because our team has really just shone in the, in the midst of this pandemic, we've focused on. And, uh, and I think um, giving that flexibility is something that a lot of organizations are doing in terms of where people are working. So that's been a change. Uh, again, digitization of our processes internally. I think one thing we really loved seeing was inspectors who were, were doing inspections by FaceTime. So instead of calling the city and saying, oh, well, we'll be there in two days. It's like, oh, well, no, I don't need to get in my car and drive there and, and carve out the time to do that. I can do this all on FaceTime. So I hope those types of things where it's just practical efficiency that's being deployed continue to stick around post-COVID. From a sales perspective, we we went fully digital right from the start of, of the pandemic and actually surprisingly saw a great deal of traction from people who were we're not even setting foot in our presentation center at the the outset there, but we're relying on Matterport, so sort of 3D digital walkthrough technology, 
as well as uh, video technology that we deployed so that people could feel like they were actually walking through our sales center and getting the true user experience um, that we, we try to provide for each of our customers. That's awesome. Maybe as a final question, we'll, we'll ask you to uh, take out your crystal ball. Mike, any predictions for the residential commercial market for the last quarter here in, in 2021? And then any thoughts on, on uh, 2022 for, for the market? Well, somebody uh, once said to me, there's two types of people, those who don't know and those who don't know, they don't know. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to think that I'm I'm one of the people who who you know know that they don't know. But uh, in any event, I would say that we're going to continue with with the strength we've seen. Uh, talking to a number of people, they've continued to do record business here uh, in the first uh, or sorry in the in the in the first half of 2021. They had done record business, and they've seen that continue here into this third quarter. So. I think you're going to see that continue into 2022 and rates may start to tick up here in the near future. Uh, again, debating inflation is one of those uh, fool's errands, I would call it, where you're really, you know, inflation happens when you don't expect it and could happen at any time. I think we see inflation in building materials. We see inflation in the cost of everything from food to to housing. And uh, so there is inflation in our economy. It's just how sustained and, and how significant is that going to be? And will that offset a lot of the headwinds that we have in other sectors of our economy, as you see in the most recent employment, or rather, sorry, the most uh, recent GDP numbers? So I think we still have a lot of headwinds. I think that's going to create continued monetary support, low interest rates, which obviously are all very conducive to uh, appreciating real estate values. So I don't see that changing. We've got a supply demand imbalance uh, in everything from multifamily to industrial space. Office, you know, is maybe a different beast that in some pockets will have some oversupply, but I still think that uh, it will be a a resilient asset class here uh, as we continue to see record immigration and, and a lot of higher paying jobs setting foot in in Vancouver. So I, I see continued strength. And uh, I, I think that if there was ever sort of a time when things may plateau, in my mind, it, it may take place in the second or second half or, or third, fourth quarter of, of 2022. And that would be when I think uh, things could could trail off or, or subside a little bit. But I don't by any means see that being a, uh, a down, you know, a, a deterioration in values or a recession in in real estate values. I think we had a white hot market a few months ago. I think we've got a red hot market right now. I think it'll still be a hot market, but just maybe not as hot as it is right now. And that may actually be a good thing just to bring a a bit more of a cadence back to uh, to valuations and lease rates and and the rest of it. But uh, I I, I don't know in the industrial side if we have a solution that's achievable locally. I I just think we're too land constrained and 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 we're in and we're in real trouble uh, in terms of our regional economy with regards to the total lack of ability to grow our economy through uh, allowing new users to uh, to set up their businesses here and and if we don't create more industrial space they're going to go elsewhere they're going to go to Calgary or down south or just simply have to look at another region um, it's a problem that's endemic in in a lot of places across North America I appreciate that but I think we are particularly challenge due to geographic constraints here. And the ALR is a, a huge part of that. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm going to second your opinion because I think you're bang on. Mike, we, we got a, a six lighthearted questions so we can sort of peel back the layers of who you are outside of the office. Do you have just a couple more minutes to hang out with us? 
Oh, of course. No, this has been a lot of fun. So we've got the uh, six-pack powered by Redpoint Law for all your commercial legal needs from commercial leases to commercial closings. And now they have the capability for developer work as well. Visit them at redpointlaw.ca. All right, Mike, first question up. Favorite movie? Oh, favorite movie. (laughs) Uh, Heat. Oh, that's a good one. Wow, we haven't had heat. We, we haven't had that one yet. That's a good that, movie. That's a great that's movie. That's a good movie. Second question is, do you have a favorite quote uh, or or a, a saying that you, you like to live by? Yeah, I'm a, a spiritual guy and, you know, consider myself a Christian, of course, to each their own. But uh, uh, there's a passage in the Bible and I try to live my life by it. And that's uh, unto whomsoever much is given much shall be expected. So uh, I feel like I've been given a whole host of opportunities in my life and uh, was very fortunate to be uh, born into the situation that I was. And uh, with that, it's incumbent upon me to, to, to make something of it and to, uh, to, to use that uh, opportunity uh, to leave the, be- the world a better place and, and hopefully make a positive impact. A lot of respect for people that, that kind of have fortunate situations and make them even even better for other people behind them and not just taking it for granted. So a lot of respect for you for doing that. Number three, a book you'd recommend our listeners read. Doesn't have to be a real estate book either. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, a really fun and interesting real estate book I just read was uh, Am I Being Too Subtle by Sam Zell. Um, and I found that to be a, a great uh a great, you know, rendition of his career and uh, and just some of the the fun stories that uh, he's experienced and the relationships that he's created uh, along the way. So really, really enjoyed that book and uh, highly recommend it for anybody who's looking for uh, an easy read but yet still topical uh, to real estate. It's funny you say that. I just started that one on Audible not even three days ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just started. George awesome. McDonald, a and previous guest we it. had. <laughs> yeah, a previous guest we had, he Perfect. referenced it. And then I went and I downloaded it then, and I just finished my last book and just started it. So far, so good. You know, the guy's very awesome. opinionated, very straight to the point. You got to respect that. Are you an Audible yeah. guy, Mike? You know what? I, I'm i actually looking at a bookshelf right now with, uh, with old-fashioned paperback and hardcover books uh, <laughs> looking at it. So I... I haven't gotten on the Audible train. Uh, I like, uh, of course, podcasts, but uh, I, I do like the texture of holding a book in my hand. And uh, another one, uh, in addition to my being too subtle, is Never Split the Difference by oh, Chris Voss. I think amazing for negotiation, book. That's, an, that's an awesome book as well. Amazing book. That sort of circulated amongst our offices. Uh, one of our brokers, I think in our New West office or our Langley office, had, had listened to it. And I thought, I don't want, like, who is this guy? And then when he sort of references how he's an ex-FBI negotiator, that if there's five hostages and I only get three out, that's not a win if two die. And then you're kind of like, that's actually a good way to look at it. That, that's yeah. one of my favorite books of all time. Highly recommend. We, we yeah. just had Cam, Cam Good from Key Marketing on, and that was his favorite uh, favorite book as well. So it, we, it's a, it's a oh, great, you'd yeah. be amazed too. He talks all about strategy and how they got to get these people out of these situations. And sometimes they're almost overthinking it and some of the very basics. It, it's great. Highly recommend that book. Awesome. Well, and as as in most things in life, it's all about psychology, yeah. and uh, and and you know the counterintuitive ways of uh, of addressing uh, situations that you know the knee jerk may be uh, one thing, and and yet you have to you have to really train your mind to react differently. It's it's a fascinating uh, uh, psychological piece uh, that he touches on as well. There, the, the one thing I, I, I 
I don't think my wife listens to this podcast, but the mirroring effect, the mirroring strategy that he talks yeah. about in that book gets you out of every argument you can think of. So you got to listen yeah. to the book, you use that with your wife, gets you off every time. All right, Mike, here's, here's the big question that really tells us who you are. Favorite band or, or musician for that matter. Oh, favorite band. There's, there's a bunch. Um, we got time. I, we got time. I think, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to, to create too much radio silence here uh, for, for the listeners, but uh, I, I, I love you too. I don't know. I've always, always loved you too. And uh, uh, if I had to, if I had one band that I could go see, you know, before I die I, I, again, I would say uh, you too. Nice. I, I saw them at Rogers Arena probably in like 08 or 09. And I got dragged to the concert, like didn't even, like literally free tickets. Didn't want to go. Left that concert. This is back in the old days. I think on the way home, I was breaking into Future Shop to buy every U2 <laughs> album. That I was just hooked. Yeah. And I had the DVDs and everything. Great band. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, second last question here. What is uh, your favorite vacation spot? Oh, uh, France. Yeah. Uh, France is for sure the, the spot. Uh, we, we love, uh, the South of France and then, uh, uh Paris is, is probably my favorite city. I actually proposed to had my first kiss with my wife. And then, uh, three years later, we, uh, we, we, that's where I proposed to her. So, uh, wow. oh, nice. fond spot in my heart and love, love going back. We, uh, we did our honeymoon through France. And so, um, Looking forward to hopefully getting over there next summer. Well, I guess that shows up my Denny's proposal. I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, last, last question. Uh, a piece of advice for our listeners, maybe to looking to getting into the commercial real estate realm in some capacity, whether it be uh, on a, a purchase standpoint or a tenant, what is one piece of advice you can give maybe a novice person looking to enter the commercial real estate world? Well, I think for starters, don't, don't assume that sending somebody a, uh, an email or cold calling them uh, to set up a time for a call or, or a meeting is going to go on and responded to. I, I think that uh, I get, you know, emails and, and contacted by uh, young people who are just looking for some thoughts on how to get into the business. And, and I take a lot of pleasure in engaging with those people. And so uh, don't assume that, um, you know, the presidents of, of real estate organizations aren't going to return your call. Uh, reach out and, uh, and take the first step. I think once, once that's done, canvas as many of those people as you can. But the advice I give, give people is really, there's, it's the same that I got when I was asking, uh, questions of, you know, people like Andrew Grant and Eric Carlson and Peter Wessick. I, I met with them before I, uh, actually landed at Ani and, you know, it was a range of different feedback, um, between, go back to school, get some letters next to your name. And, and that works for some people. Uh, I think when you have a candidate who comes with an accreditation, like an architectural accreditation, for instance, uh, in development, that's very attractive. Um, go into brokerage, you know, into, into your line of business. Uh, no better way to see not only deals, but also the psychology behind what, uh, what factors into the decisions that uh, real estate organizations and developers make. And then, um, and then, you know, really there's, there's the other option and that's, uh, what ended up happening for me, uh, which was just simply getting in front of enough of those senior, uh, leaders in, in different development companies and, uh, eventually having the, uh, the, the fortune, the, the lucky, uh, the luck really to, uh, 
to have one offer me a job. Um, so I would really just go into those meetings though, with one question. And, and that is, if you were me, what would you do? And, um, don't, don't position it as if you're soliciting them for a job, but certainly leave your resume on the way out and you'd be surprised with the dividends that that, that can pay. That's fantastic advice. And we, we've talked about taking action on this show kind of, that's been a consistent theme. Um, so yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, Mike, super useful conversation, really enjoyed it. And how can people find out more about strand? Well, uh, stranddev.com, S T R A N D D E V.com is our website. And, uh, there's a, a, a bit of a revamp going there. It's, going to be launching here in the next couple of months but that's a a great initial place to uh to learn more about us and uh uh, certainly you know if anybody ever wanted to reach out and and learn more directly uh you can call me at uh, 604-262-9800 uh 262-9800 is our phone line and i'm going to practice what i preach if you give me a call i'd i'd be happy to uh to have a conversation and uh if i'm not around of course i'll i'll return it so uh the line is open that's great. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today and sort of unpacking the what you guys are doing in Langford and just all over the province. It's really exciting stuff and we really appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. There you have it, folks. Our interview, Mike Mackay, president of Strand. I, I, I'm, I'm lacking words right now, so I'm going to have to fill it in with phenomenal, but great episode. Very intelligent guy. Very I, intelligent. I love that. There's so many great points that came out of that conversation and his insight just into the region in general. But really at the end, the best part was the advice yeah. for, for young entrepreneurs, young people entering our industry. And man, I think like most of the success that I've ever had in my life has been from doing just that, reaching yeah. out to people that you don't expect to hear back from them. And then surprisingly, you do hear back from them and it creates an opportunity. Well, Almost always. Yeah. Well, I, I emailed Mike and I, I told him I have the most phenomenal development opportunity. He has to call me right away. Yeah. He calls. Next thing he knows, he's on the Vancouver then I get, I, I'm like, hey, Mike, what are you doing <laughs> in two Fridays from now at 1030? He's like, what? I'm like, you want to come on a podcast? <laughs> That's, uh, he's like, he's like, I'll give my number out on your podcast, but Corey, um, you've been blocked. Yeah. 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 I was wondering why my emails were getting bounced back before the recording this morning. Just like, Hey, are we, are we on? And they kept coming back to me saying he doesn't want to talk to you. Well, you know what? Two fantastic weeks of episodes. Like you said, at the beginning of the, of, of the show, we have next week, we have Byron Chard. Byron um, Chard. Yeah. And, and Chard we, is making huge moves in the province. Yeah. Phenomenal development company. And Byron, one of the nicest guys, I think we've ever had on uh, on Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Yeah. Just a super nice guy all too, around. Too nice to be a developer. In a too, weird way, when too you- Too nice to be a developer. The public perception of developers yeah. Yeah. versus Byron Chard, yeah. it, it couldn't be more night and day, right? It's well, like the- I will tell you that I've, I've bought a lot of product from Byron over the years yeah. and negotiating with them, that's a whole different story. That's when he changed. Yeah. He's, yeah. yeah. he's got the poker face on. He sets you up to choke yourself out and then he just goes in for the kill and you pay more than you want to, but yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, he's 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 nice on the surface, but yeah. negotiating with him's a different story. He's read Never Split the Difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think he wrote the book Never <laughs> yeah, Split the Difference. Exactly. <laughs> so, Corey, what else do we have for today? Uh, of course, anything that you want to talk about that you guys are doing over at William Wright? Lots of exciting stuff going on now that we're kind of getting through the long weekend here, and we're kind of getting back to business. It feels like I think we're we're going to have to buckle up 
We have a probably a really, really busy time ahead of us here. Mike kind of alluded to that on the show. Um, you know, when people were asking me about the federal election, like, what are your thoughts? Like, how does that concern anything? Right. Obviously, you know, I mean, that's a concern, I think, for anybody out there watching to see how that kind of plays out. But when it comes down to the end of it, if you look at last year, no foreign buyers really to speak of, net negative immigration, no international travel, no international students here. The market was was red hot, white hot, uh, as Mike alluded to in the in the show there. I think heading into this fall winter, buckle up. We have no inventory, historically low interest rates ahead of us. I was reading some reports where they're estimating there's up to $2.6 trillion in money sitting in the sidelines waiting to be deployed because there's lack of inventory in the real estate world right now. I think I think real estate's back and I think yeah. it's going to be a, quite the ride until, you mean, 2022, Q2, Q3 before we really start to see anything sort of settle down. And just a question from someone who operates in the residential market, because we saw July and August is like two of the lowest inventory months we've yeah. had in the past 35 years. Has it been similar in commercial? Like, is, We is always it just suffer a, from yeah. no inventory or, or not just no inventory, just lack perpetual. of good, good inventory, right? right? And then all of a sudden when the inventory levels start to dip even lower than where they are and then money becomes as cheap as it is right now, I mean, we're, we're seeing, we're, we're listing properties and they're going millions over asking price. Wow. We're not, we're not talking... I mean, these are, you know, five, six, seven, eight million dollar listings, but they're, they're penciling out at, you know, $10 million, Wow, $11 million. So they're not just barely going over and they're generating, you know, six, seven, eight offers. It's not, I mean, it's a function of the time. It's a function of the money, how cheap money is right now. But I don't, I don't foresee that changing anytime soon. I mean, although we traditionally get more, a little bit more inventory as we get into fall and spring, the inventory levels are so low right now. They're kind of like unhealthy for argument's sake. That I mean, even if even if we doubled or tripled the inventory, where things are at right now from demand in the marketplace and and how cheap money is on the lending side, it won't cause you know any concern for sellers because there's just there's nothing. Yeah, actually, we just had uh, Brendan Augmentson on on Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, and one of his points was we could double the residential listings yep. right now, and it would it that's what it would probably take to get any kind of balance in well, the market, which it, is phenomenal, right? Oh, it's it's funny right now because there's there's stuff that we're working on that's in excess of like forty million, and yeah. you're making like two or three phone calls, and every phone call is like, don't show anybody else, I'll call you in an hour. Wow. And and it's just it's high demand product in the asset class everyone's looking for that you just can't find. And you know, you go back three, four years ago, I mean, you might have to flog that for quite some time to even get anyone to even like return your phone call. Right. Now right. they're like they're begging you not to call the next guy. Like, I need half an hour, I'll call you right back. Phenomenal. Wow. And, and, and so I you know, I think this is the thing. It's it's right now we're in this we're just in the second week of September. Uh, everyone's getting the kids back to school, yeah. but um, end of the month here is when things are really, really going to yeah. pick up and the fall market's going to be in full swing. So uh, yeah, giddy up, I guess. But Corey, before we uh, cut for the week, how can people find out more about what you guys are up to at William Wright? They can always visit our website at williamwright.ca. They can always call our Vancouver office at 604-428-5255, or they can email me directly at corey at williamwright.ca. Any of their commercial real estate needs, we'll put you in touch with the best broker we got for your asset class and whatever marketplace you are throughout the province. Fantastic. And you can find this episode and all of the episodes of VREP and VCREP at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. I'm fired up for next week, Byron Chard. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Subscribe today.